Smart politics for stupid times. Welcome to the Unprecedented Podcast with John Aravosis and Cliff Schechter. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It's Tuesday, June 15th. Uh, Cliff and I are here today with our guest, David Pakman. Uh, David is an Argentine-born, which I didn't even realize until I was looking at this a minute ago, um, American progressive political commentator. He is the host of the YouTube Twitch talk radio program, The David Pakman Show. And just to give you a sense of how well that show is doing, I believe David's got about a million or more followers on YouTube for his show. So David has really made an incredible impact. Um, David is also, again, I'm like forgetting my David Pakman history here, but uh, (laughs) David is... An immigrant or one-time immigrant. Uh, His family, he was born in Argentina, Buenos Aires, uh, immigrated here when he was a kid, which is why your English is so good because my mom immigrated from Greece at eight and her English is perfect, but some people still hear an accent, but otherwise I don't. And it's also flawless English, but does anybody ever hear an accent with you or not? Never. Okay. Because you were here at five, so you really were able to nail it. Yeah. Are you fluent in Spanish too? I am. I am indeed. Excellent. But you and you spoke Spanish at home, I'm guessing, and you still yeah. nailed the English. Interesting, just because with again the Greeks, I can tell you, it's funny you'll meet Greek Americans who basically have a little bit of a Greek accent, and I've met them and gone, "Oh, where were you born? Cincinnati." I'm like, "No, no," but like, <laughs> and literally, we actually the- have lots of Greeks here, dude. Our chili is based on your heritage, John. There you, chili, really? Yeah, it's Greek. Oh. The Greeks who settled here did their whole thing. I'm telling you, hey, chili, Greek chili. Okay. Wouldn't be as hot. Well, if you ever catch yourself thinking when looking in the mirror, I wish my under eye bags would just go away. You're not alone. Bags and puffiness under the eyes are a problem for millions of American men and women. Until now, introducing my new favorite, the new GenuCell Serum with plant stem cell technology from Chamonix. Susan from New Jersey wrote me, I've been using GenuCell for a couple months. The puffiness around my eyes is gone. Even the crow's feet and small lines have disappeared and haven't come back. I love this product. I use it under my eyes, around the cheekbones, and on my eyelids. With its instant effects, Chamonix says you'll see results in the first 12 hours or your money back. They guarantee it. Order now and save big on Genucel's risk-free introductory offer. Go to lovegenucel.com slash Stephanie. That's G-E-N-U-C-E-L. For an instant 10% off your order, order now. You'll get the amazing Genucel XV face cream. When you order the exclusive Genucel most popular package at checkout, that's love, G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com slash Stephanie. Lovegenucel.com slash Stephanie. Anyway, so David, thanks for joining us. Uh, pretty much, you know, our show is always just the topics of the day. Um, you know, going through your Twitter feed, it's, <laughs> you've been kind of on everything we've been on. But I, I'm curious first, and I'd said this before the show, just to ask people kind of, what is your political philosophy? And let me just tell you, I think um, Cliff and I, in talking about this, had a supposition that you were to the left of us. Um, and now I'm kind of wondering from reading your feed if you really are. Hmm. What what are you? David? I don't know. I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, Cliff Cliff and I have hung out a little bit, and yeah, some we of the know things, each other from back so, in the day. So, some of the things I've heard him say make me make me question that. No, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I consider myself basically uh, in line with Northern European social democracy in terms of economic uh, perspective, okay. in terms of a lot of foreign policy stuff. I, I you know, I mean, to to probably cut to what is right now kind of most prevalent in in the splits within the left that are taking place i don't play coy with any of the authoritarian strongmen that some on the left are sort of toying around with right now you won't hear me defend putin 
You won't hear me defend Assad. Gee, who could you be talking about? You won't, you won't hear me. You won't yeah, hear me defend uh, Nicolas Maduro or she or deny what's going on with the Uyghurs. You know, I mean, just Thank I don't. You. I don't get involved in but any. Can of I this. say something yeah. along those lines, David? I mean, no further. I mean, do we do we even consider them on the left anymore? I, I kind of feel when you get to the point where you're defending authoritarians who've committed genocide, for lack of a better term. I mean, mm -hmm. what's going on with the Uyghurs is genocide what's what Assad is doing I mean I think there's a there's a bunch of people that, that many of us thought were on the left and maybe they were at one time and they've either changed due to profit motive or belief or you know whatever I, I mean I don't know that, that was what I would say you're legitimate you're like you're really the left I don't know that they are well that the, the reason that it makes total sense the reason I hate to just start saying you're not on the left and you're not on the left right. is people also do it to me. You get a toaster, because, you get a toaster. Sorry. Maybe yeah, maybe people do it to me when I fail to say, for example, yeah. the Israeli-Palestinian conflict comes down simply to Israel is bad and right. that's it, right? Like I, I don't, that's right. not my analysis. And then people say, you're not really right. on the left then. And so I don't want to participate in the same type of gatekeeping right. that I'm the victim of in a sense. Okay, right. and, I, and I want to be very clear though. Like I don't believe in the gatekeeping either. I do think that when you get to a point where you're sort of supporting authoritarians and what yes. they're doing, I will gatekeep that. I think we can yeah. disagree on, should the minimum wage be $15 an hour or $20 an hour? You know, should you know, should should we have fought back in the day for right. marriage? You know, a, a gay marriage is something uh, in the courts, or should we have fought it? You know, as something in different states. I think there's difference in strategies. I think there's difference. Should right. healthcare? We've had a battles over. Should we absolutely is single payer the only answer, or the fact that Germany and Belgium and others have made multi payer with you know very much regulation environments work? And those are debates I'll have, and I can't stand when somebody's like, well, you think any system that gets people, everybody healthcare is okay. We have to ban all private healthcare. And, and to me, I agree with you on that. But to me, but I really do start excluding people from at least my thought of that you being anywhere towards progressive. If you can if you can sit there and say, America is awful, but Vladimir Putin, man, that's a good guy. But don't, but don't you both feel mm -hmm. like that? I will say this, as much as, and Chris and I, Chris, whatever your name is, Cliff and I. John, um, Mike, call me whatever you'd like. I would say, I think you may be a little more amiable about this, and that's probably a good thing because frankly, you've got a million YouTube followers and I've got 10,000. So, you know, don't take my advice. But Cliff and I, I think, might be a little more confrontational on those battles on the left. But I will say, thankfully, I think it is a very, very, very small number who are the crazy Putin Russia defenders, you know, who, like, like Greenwald. But I mean, it's, he's such a small, although he's got a lot of followers. I, I, my concern with the left, again, we get into discussions about the squad. You know, I've got issues with Omar and some of the stuff she does and people don't like when I bring it up. But that's my concern with the left is whether we're going too far left or not and among people who actually have influence. Whereas I feel like the Greenwald crowd and what, don't name names, fine. But, you know, you're defending Russia. You're just, I don't know what you are. You're kind of wacky fringe that I don't even consider a significant impact, really. Yeah, I mean, I, I think know. I agree with you that it's not a huge, well, so here's how I would say it. It's not a huge slice of my audience and what can be deceptive, sure. and I was just yeah. talking actually to, to Jank Uger about this, what can be deceptive is hmm. when I touch the stuff that 
goes against the orthodoxy of that slice, they become very loud and I start yeah. getting emails like I used to follow you, but now I have to stop. Right. And I used to be a paid subscriber, but now I have to cancel. Right. And a lot of that is not true. So they want me to, they, right. I think they are significant, but they're not a significant part of my audience. Interesting. Okay. And I Correct. think that I, I need to kind of right. keep that perspective. Right. They're out there. Yeah. And I think are in, in there's decent numbers. You know, I think I would agree with that, David. I mean, right. I obviously don't know your audience, but I think there's more, more of them as who are regular everyday people, not the sort of huge influencers than, than maybe John admitted there. But at the same time, yeah, I mean, you know, clearly just from what you just told us, the kinds of stuff you're talking about, because John and I also have what I would call nuanced, and I try to bring context to everything we talk about. It's easy to demagogue about stuff. It's easy to say, oh, well, this is all this way. That's the, you know, but it's the same thing, like Israel and Palestine is one of those things too, where I try to bring context to that argument of where there's like, wrong on various sides and yeah. where there's, and you know, and I get yelled at for it. Yeah. And the same thing with some of the other things we do. So I appreciate that, that, that you're not just pandering to have as big a subscription yeah. base as possible. You're saying it yeah. how you feel it. Do you yeah, actually you have it. a sense of who your audience is? And I say this as, you know, I've been doing, well, I've been, I've been, I've had an audience, I guess, since like the, the mid nineties in a sense, because I was doing a lot of email stuff back then for organizations, you know, um, then I was blogging and that became a big thing. And now it's more of this and Twitter and everything else. But with each segment along the way, I always found it kind of difficult to understand who my audience was. And part of it, and it's, it's, it's two sides of the same coin is what you're saying too, whereas I'd get criticism first of all, and I'd be trying to figure out, okay, is that my, you know, you know, criticism always makes you worried and you're like, oh my God, is that my audience? Or is that some fringe or nowadays, and not even fringe, is it not my audience? Or nowadays, is it fake? Is it being ginned up? You right. know, is it a, for example, you know, there's this, and I've mentioned it before and like, that Ben guy at NBC got, got on my case. It was like, oh, there's no such thing. The one who debunks all the, you know, who follows the, the extreme right online. And Jacobs? I, I, what's his name? Ben, you know what I mean? He's the reporter, a, he's, but you mean the reporter, like the NBC he's reporter. The, he's the young MSNBC guy who yeah, covers all ben the- Jacob. Yeah, Yeah. He got on my case because I noted, for example, these, you know, young, again, who knows, Twitter, uh, hammer and, always the rose, often the hammer and sickle and gay, LGBT, like the rainbow flag in their profile. And they're the ones who would swarm me over stuff, but it was always a swarm. And they were almost always from England, according to their profile, you know, and you'd kind of sit there and it would bug me. But at the same time, I'd go, this is not, have you ever had a feeling that like now, for example, do you think, you know, your YouTube, do you know who watches you? I mean, I think that the the tougher thing about YouTube is that it's really easy to just like snipe on by and very quickly leave a bunch of comments that make it okay. seem as though you have a bigger presence than you really do. So I tend right. to go more by um, the emails that I get where if someone really yeah. takes the time, I mean, some of them are horrible and some of them end up you know, forwarded to the FBI. But for the most part, <laughs> the email, somebody who's going out of their way to find my email uh, or, you know, or contact form right. on my website and, and send an email, I feel like that is more thoughtful than just like someone leaving 10 comments really quickly on YouTube without giving right, much right. of a second thought. And that might be the first time they, they sort of ever heard of me. Right. Uh, the people who call into my show, et cetera. You know, I think that the relationship with like someone who listens to my hour podcast every day, I'm going to listen much more to that person than to some random person with a username that's all numbers on YouTube. Right. So I, I, tr I think in that sense, I do have an understanding of who the audience right. is. And, right. you know, it's mostly pretty progressive people 
primarily between 25 and 55 who are relatively well-educated. You know, I don't think there's a, any big shock in terms of who the right. audience is. Right, right. Well, have I ever mentioned to you what a carnivorous beast my mom is? She loves steak and burgers, right? We grew up on them. I've never seen her so happy when I sent her Omaha steaks and burgers for Christmas one year. Holidays around the corner, finding the perfect gift is tricky. Omaha Steaks makes it easy to send friends and family an unforgettable gift guaranteed to be loved. Go to omahasteaks.com right now and enter Stephanie in the search bar to order the perfect gift package. For $99.99, you'll get 24 entrees, like the world-famous bacon wrap filet mignons, chicken breasts, sides, desserts, and so much more. When you use the code Stephanie, you'll also get an additional eight Omaha Steaks burgers free with your order. We've all heard the reports about shortages and shipping delays, so don't wait. Order the perfect gift package today at omahasteaks.com. You'll get eight free burgers when you enter the code Stephanie. Achieve gifting greatness with Omaha Steaks. Incredible flavor, incredible value, and 100% guaranteed. That's omahasteaks.com. The keyword is Stephanie, omahasteaks.com. There's so much going on in the world that can make it difficult to relax and decompress. You've experienced the Sunday scaries, that feeling of dread in the pit of your stomach that comes on Sunday afternoons. Now here's a totally different Sunday scaries, a vitamin-boosted CBD gummy. And you don't even have to wait until Sunday night rolls around. Self-care is so important, and Sunday scaries is here to help. Sunday scaries believes that everyone deserves a hand on a difficult day. Oh. Oh, I get it. Everyone deserves a hand on a difficult day. I thought it said a hand on. I'm like, what's a hand on? Is it like a handoff? Anyway, so if you're looking for a way to decompress, Sunday Scaries has you covered with their CBD products. Visit sundayscaries.com. That's S-C-A-R-I-E-S.com. And use promo code SEXYLIBERAL, one word, at checkout to get 25% off your order. That's 25% off at sundayscaries.com with promo code SEXYLIBERAL. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. These products are not for use by or sale to persons under the age of 18. It's like uh, yeah. probably often who you'd, you'd see at a Warren rally or, or uh, I mean, I'm guessing not just Warren. You could go to, to Pete Buttigieg. You know, I wasn't trying to sort of pigeonhole, but yeah, the kinds of like, I think, you know, mainstream left. Right? Yeah. And I mean, listen, I supported Bernie in the primaries and a lot of my audience is Bernie. But I, I, where, I where some people got mad at me was mm. when I said, listen, guys, Bernie doesn't have the votes and Biden on paper has a totally respectable platform, given what Obama right. was and given what the right. alternative is. And I'm voting for Biden. Like I, I just was very upfront with my audience right. relatively early. That angered a lot of people. So you weren't sort of going for the Jimmy Dore thing. No. Oh, my God. No, I'm, no, I'm, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. I shouldn't even make those jokes. I'll get you in trouble. Well, but no, I, but, I, I, but I'd say you sound like a political realist, which I like because again, you know, it's interesting. Your political realist who doesn't approach this with animus is is the combination because I think yeah. Cliff and I try to be realistic. Look, we've got our views. We tend to be, you know, Cliff's New York. I'm Greek Chicago. So like we both are kind of out there with our views. You know, we talk but, fast. Yeah. I talk. You know, I mean, just we are what we are. But but. It's and I would like, add, I, I'd just add quickly, yeah. John, you know, moving to the Midwest and living in Cincinnati now for a decade, there's a whole new sort of layer of perspective that I actually didn't have as an East Coaster. So we all try to right. learn with right. life. But I also, I, I really don't want to, to, to cut you off, but I think it's important to say hmm. what I like about this and what I like about you, David, is that, that hmm. I, I don't do that kind of gatekeeping except for off to the extreme that I try right. to say a lot of us can be good people that are liberal minded you know, progressive minded, whatever you want to say, we may disagree on some stuff, but right. that doesn't mean I have to demonize you 
Right. I go after some people. I do. I go after right. Glenn. I did today. But I do it when I think that they're operating in bad faith. Right. You know what I mean? And when you seem to come in good faith and say, hey, I just disagree with you on this. Well, that's Medica what it's supposed Medicare to be about. For, we're sp Medicare we're supposed to have those conversations. Primaries, right. That, that right? battle over Medicare. Sorry, Cliff. Go ahead, John. That, that, no, 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 you go ahead. I, the the battle over Medicare for all during the primaries drove me nuts because I was I was watching this and I'm like, you know, I mean, first of all, the the esoterica of it drives me crazy. I mean, if it's your issue, of course you've got to get into the esoteric details. But the idea that if you didn't accept, and I don't remember if it was Elizabeth Warren versus Bernie versus whomever, but if you didn't accept their exact program and you wanted something slightly different, you know, you were a sellout, and it just. I don't know. Anyway, let's get away from that, I guess, to it's anyway, it's just something that sort of bothers me. And I worry a little bit on our side, whether that's growing a little bit of this infighting. And I'm even right. seeing it, for example, I mean, and we, I don't want none of, well, actually, maybe you can weigh in, you're Latino, but I was reading yesterday, you know, Lin-Manuel Miranda is in trouble again. Apparently he was in trouble with uh, Hamilton, which I did not know uh, initially with some people because slaveholders, he was honoring slaveholders. And this time, this time is really interesting. The Latinos in his new movie in the Heights, which I'm told is really great and it's on HBO and I'm going to watch it, um, aren't dark enough. He didn't include black skin Latinos in lead roles. Now I know nothing about this, but as an outsider who watches it in my own gay community, the LGBT community, and certainly seeing like the women's community where, you know, black feminists hate white feminists. And I mean, it's just like, I, I, I'll throw this to you because we've both been talking too much, but I worry sometimes that we're destroying each other with our individuality sometimes on the left. Yeah, sure. I mean, I don't, I don't, I can't weigh in about the, that particular yeah. thing. I, I, yeah. I'm not following all of the cultural issues super closely, but I mean, an example I'm reminded of was when there was this um, situation where the women's march leadership felt that Jewish women were not intersectional enough to be on the leadership because yeah. Jews are privileged. And it's like, guys, come on. That's, I can't think of anything more toxic than that. That's like the epitome. That's the, that's the uh, fork of three or four of the worst instincts that are currently festering on the left. And I said at the time, I don't think this is the majority of the left, um, right. but I think that they are very loud similar to that slice of my audience that gets very loud and starts to make me think, whoa, is this really the vast majority? And the, remember the vast majority I never hear from actually, that's the truth because it's people busy right. living their lives. But yeah, I, it's hard for me to say it's a growing problem. I think it's a louder problem, um, right. but that may be amplified by social media and some the of the one, other the, uh, th things that are going on. The one cricket in the field is louder than all the sleeping cows. <laughs> Right. It's some adage I heard years ago, and I'm maiming it a little, but I love the concept of, because it is, it's frankly, Cliff well, and I. And social media only yeah. amplifies that as we know. Yes, right? that's what I mean. Yeah. It's what we do for a living to some degree, Cliff. You know, I mean, when on our, yes. on our political side or our political consulting side is how do you amplify voices and sometimes make them seem louder than they are? That's what the internet is in many ways, right. you know? Yeah, but, um, no question. Yeah. No question. Now what I've got to look here and see the, you know, you, can I ask you something? How and some of this I've I really wanted this. We're gonna get into a lot of the substance too, but I I'm just in personally curious about you as David Pakman, sort of political guy. Um I know Cliff and maybe I mean Cliff, you can even get into this with him, but I was curious, sort of, you grew up or you were born into a Jewish family. Are you very Jewish? Because I know Cliff, you can sort of explain what my question means on that front. 
Well, I'm not. Gonna, I'm Jewish, not religious. Not I mean, if, religious, if the question yeah. is, am I religious? I'm not. No, but you know, certainly I, I identify uh, culturally um, uh, very much so. But no, I'm not. I'm not religious at all. I was just curious where you exactly culturally and ethnically. I was curious kind of where you fit in because, like Cliff and I, will talk a lot about these issues, and he'll always note the same thing that he's. Well, I always. Feel, yeah. I, I feel like I have to note it, and maybe that's like I overdo it. It's just I always feel like when I'm speaking for if I'm speaking for a Jewish audience, I feel a little bit like a fraud, you know, just because I haven't been in a temple in a lot of years. And, I, you know, we don't I, I, mar- I mean, my wife is is Presbyterian. That's who I fell in love with. And if it had been anyone, you've been somebody Jewish or Muslim, that's who I would have married, you know. So, I mean, that's led even more. So even though I came from a very secular family, even now that much more mixed. I mean, we do Hanukkah for the kids just because sure and Christmas both and stuff like that. But. There's no doubt that, that I, I sometimes am hesitant to speak for Jews because I feel like, I don't know, I almost feel like a poser. Well, for me, it's not so much about like speaking for Jews, but I think that there's a lot of people who may not understand that Judaism, you're talking about an ethno-religious group, right. and it's right. different than, say, I, I've, I'm now Catholic, I'm now Baptist, no, I'm now nothing, right. that... The you know when you explain to people sometimes they'll say you know I did my my ancestry DNA and it came back one hundred percent Jewish and they said how does it know your religion and then I have to explain <laughs> well no it doesn't right. oh, that's and funny. I could uh, you could you if you convert <laughs> to Judaism you are not ethnically Jewish and the if DNA you convert out you remain ethnically you know you have to kind of explain this so I think right. that that's why sometimes it's a huh. thing because it's a it's a bit of a different you know ethno religious groups are different than just this is my religion and a lot of people understandably don't know that so the point that you're he's making right now folks if you don't know is that we're still stuck with larry kudlow even though he converted <laughs> out he's still ethnically one of us and it disturbs me i just the, the point genes that. i did not change. know that <laughs> yeah yeah he converted to catholicism but it doesn't you know he still is uh we're still stuck with him sure sure sure, sure. Right, no, i bring the comic relief to yeah, the show a when fair I disclaimer <laughs> let me ask you one last question on that topic just because i was telling cliff before the show i was thinking back to 2016 and i'm assuming you were on Twitter and active in 2016, all the neo-Nazi alt-right trolls that we were dealing with back then and Twitter was not dealing with and really horrific stuff, folks. I mean, we're talking, uh, I even received it, God, and I'm not even Jewish, uh, people sending you not just pictures of Auschwitz, but they would send, there was this one meme of a cartoon drawn of an oven and they would put your face in the oven. And I mean, just horrific stuff. And Twitter wasn't doing nearly enough. And at the time, uh, Jonathan Wiseman, who probably was the New York Times bureau chief, I'm thinking at the time, uh, talked about getting off Twitter, and he may have actually gotten off Twitter, but he also wrote an opinion piece in the Times, which was fascinating for their lead political writer to do. You know, they don't really write opinion pieces, talking about how he never really felt Jewish growing up. He's Jewish, but literally it's his ethnicity that he didn't give a lot of thought to. So I think even in that sense, he wasn't super Jewish, even ethnically, and how Everything that happened to him on Twitter that year with the neo-Nazis and everything else and Twitter ignoring him for the first time in his life, and I'm paraphrasing a little here, he felt under attack and actually unsafe for being a Jew. And it really, but it also opened his eyes to that whole world because to, to a degree, and it's really worth Googling, folks, the article. I think he was, I think the article, the premise is that he almost was thinking that we were you know, in a post beyond anti, that, a yeah. post anti-Semitic world in the same way that sometimes we think a post gay world where, oh, homophobia is done, at least for the gays. In the 1990s, we're we good. thought we were post a lot of things that have all come back. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I, I don't think, um, yeah. 
you know, one of the things about it is, and this is sometimes not super popular to say in some circles, is that because of some of the tropes and stereotypes about Jews in the U.S. over the last 20 years as mm. successful and privileged, right. there's a lot of looking the other way about this stuff where mm. a much higher threshold needs to be met often mm. before some people will take it seriously and it allows it to fester and people, you know, terms of service on platforms might sort of not mm. deal with it as seriously as they should for a while, etc. Right. Uh, and it's sort of like a vicious circle of the tropes themselves Themselves make it so that it's taken less seriously. And as a result, it grows even more. It's like a feedback loop. Right. Yeah. And I think people don't get on some level, and this is where I can say, like, I, I, this is where it, I do feel Jewish, is when you see, you know, there's that Italian soccer player, for example, who, who wrote something, and because he's higher profile, it was out there, you know, he plays for the, I think, the New York Red Bulls, the, the professional te uh, soccer team in New York. And he's got, I think he's Jewish and, and you know, background name and his own. And somebody, a group of, of kids walked up to him on the Upper West Side and started, you know, yelling things, you know, and I at him, you know, anti-Semitic comments. And I grew up in New York City. And, you know, to me, almost that was shocking because it's hard imagining that happening. But like you start seeing these stories from around the country and it's true. It's almost like we get there's this, you know, because some Jews have been successful economically or educationally, this sort of view of like your privilege, you don't have to worry about anything. And. I got to tell you, like, you know, I have been in a few of those environments before and you feel threatened. I mean, you do. You feel like someone could hurt you just because of who you are. And I sometimes think that's overlooked and we're thrown in. As I like to say when I'm joking about it, I'm like the great thing about being, you know, light skinned and Jewish and male and straight is everybody hates you. Right. Well, I mean, there's a serious, you know, there's a serious discord. There's some really good writing about this, about how, uh, Ashkenazi Jews, this doesn't apply to a lot of Sephardic and, and, and Mizra, you know, Mizrahim, but uh, tell people, Jews, tell people what those, what that means. I know. But so, so these are basically just different, yeah. diff slightly different ethnic, ethnic groups. And, you know, so-called white, right. white European Jews tend to be Ashkenazi. If your roots right. are in Ukraine and uh, if, if your intermediate roots, so to speak, right. after being out of the Middle East are in, in Eastern Europe, yeah. you tend that to be Ashkenazi. That would be my family. And I, and I think from what David is saying here, his family too. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you are, you know, what's called white passing in most modern kind of Western society in that you, if you just walk by someone on the street, you can't uh, easily identify them as something other than white. That plays a big role in the kind of invisibility of anti-Semitism in some circles, because it's very easy to just say, well, passing you on the street, you look white, therefore there's really no conversation to be had here. But right. part of it is what Cliff's talking about, which is you can still be in these situations where you realize that you actually are being targeted, but nobody can tell that it applies to you necessarily because of right. how you look. It's, it's slightly better, but it doesn't right. necessarily make it not a problem. And I'd say, actually, in some ways, you end up hearing a lot more. You do because, because people don't have their guard up. Exactly. They don't oh, know. Interesting. The, the interesting, interesting thing, when, when John brought up sort of huh. aspects of, of, it reminded me of the United Kingdom. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so I studied my junior year um, at, a, at a British school. And there already, I would say, was a much more active far left in the United Kingdom at that point. There was very pro-Irish rights and other, you know, these kinds of things, anti-colonialism in, in this, and and very anti-Israel, but to the point of well beyond it being an Israel thing to sharing sort of anti-Jewish stereotypes. And, you know, I, and, and I, that, that has grown that part of things in the United States, and I've seen more of it since. 
at least my college campus, that didn't really exist. Um, and at this British school, like I heard awful, awful things, right? They had no idea that I was Jewish. Again, I light skin, blue eyes could pass as whatever. And, and, you know, and that led me to overhear this stuff. And that was one of the first times in my life. I really was like, wow. When I experienced it and sort of heard the dark underbelly that I wouldn't have otherwise, you know, have witnessed. Yeah. I've, I've told the story before on my show, but when I was in high school, I used to work at the now defunct electronics retailer circuit city. And I had a situation where there was a, uh, there was a coworker who came up to me and casually just said, those customers I was dealing with, they, they were just such Jews. And I said, uh, what do you, what do you mean? What does that mean? He said, they were, they were just, they wouldn't stop asking me for a deal. Now, part of me goes, right. Black and Hispanic people don't want right. deals. They want to be overcharged. You know? But, <laughs> but when I said to him, you know, that's a really inappropriate thing to say. Did you even know that I was Jewish? And his reaction was to say, sorry, I shouldn't have said it in front of you. <laughs> There you go. Yeah, it was a totally okay. I mean, it was true what I was saying. I right. just should have had. Yeah. And it's like a, just a total misunderstanding of what's even happening yeah. in the world, you know? Yeah. And by the way, you should see my Latino aunt from Panama, who's a Greek immigrant. So, you know, Latino-ish, right? She's more Greek, who came to Chicago and she was haggling over some stuff in Marshall Fields in front of my mom. And my mom was, my mom's Greek, but she was dying. You know, and the aunt is literally haggling with the woman and the woman, Marshall Fields, which was like, you know, Marshall Fields. <laughs> I know. And she, was, she, was, she wasn't even Latino. She was Greek. So we've all got a little of that in us. But <laughs> yeah, oh, God, um, you know, let's get to the to sort of the some of the, the uh, political issues you had just tweeted. And I mean, Cliff and I've been talking about it a lot, but who hasn't been? Um, I don't know if you were joking or if you were serious about worrying about August with Trump claiming he's going to get back in office in August and whether there was going to be violence again. Were you just sort of throwing it out there? Are you actually concerned about this? No, what's... I mean, I, I'm, I'm not so worried that I'm, well, actually I am planning to be away in August, but it's just coincidence. I'm, I'm not so worried that I'm planning to be in a bunker or something like that. But I think uh, I, I, I'm not saying it's, it's likely, but I do think that there's a reasonable chance that when again, nothing happens and Trump's not president on August 31st, that because there's a little bit more of a buildup to this one than there, like, I think March 4th was a date, but there wasn't really much of a buildup no. to it. No. With the reports now from the New York Times, Washington Post, and the National Review about Trump is telling people this about reinstatement, and it is it right. is more of a thing, and you've got them, you know, Mike Pillow out there doing who knows whatever <laughs> he's pillow. doing, et cetera. Right. I think that there's a, a, there's a greater chance, also it being summer, maybe that will sort of add to it to some degree. I'm so, I have some concern about it. Yeah. Do you think that's the intent? Well, I, wait, Cliff, let me ask him this real quick, though. What I mean you know, is, yeah, go ahead. I feel like if I were Trump, if I were on the right trying to gin people up, I would want them to keep getting disappointed. I would want to keep doing what we did on January, what we, what they did on January 6th. I would want to keep pulling the rug out, Lucy pulling the football, not because they'd get pissed at me, but they'd think, oh, we got screwed again. Right, you're keeping the grievance building. We now we know Trump won after doing all the you know the audits right. in Pennsylvania. Well, Pennsylvania they want one in Arizona. They're doing they're still doing a fake audit. You know, with those audits now we know he won, and he was supposed to be reinstated in August, and now they're not letting us happen. So it's another reason for a revolution. I just I I worry because I think it's not only a potential side effect of what they're doing. I think it's the you know it's it's not the glitch. It's the you know, whatever the expression is. It's a feature, it's a feature. not a bug. Yeah. yeah I mean, I go. think 
if eventually what they're going to get to is, hey, you know, none of that stuff works, so we really got to vote in 2022, that would be like the best case, most optimistic yeah. version of this is like a really well, you know, not well-crafted, yeah. but it's a forward-looking get out the vote. That That's the most benign explanation for all of this. I hesitate to think that that's the yeah. explanation, though. Me too. 